How do I know I'm in a relationship with a narcissist? We're so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive in your relationship. Guys, welcome to the Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert, a Beyond Enough production. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. And he's definitely an expert. You've been working to help couples with their extreme challenges for like 15 years, right? Yeah, a long time. And I'm glad that I'm here with you guys sharing your vulnerable story. And I hope that it helps our listeners as well. Absolutely. And if you need some help getting started, we have a free resource over at beyond-enough.com forward slash step one. And that's one, the number. It provides the first key steps to healing your relationship, regardless of how tough things are right now. All right, guys, let's roll. Before we talk about that, I wanted to read a review over on our iTunes. Thank you for taking the time to leave those for us. Um, I wanted to express how grateful I am for you three on this podcast. I was introduced to this podcast one of the first times I attended a 12-step group. I was deep in shame and fear of my wife leaving me. I listened to you all nonstop for the first few months after leaking out my disclosure. I have to say that you all set me onto a course of true recovery. I love the truths that you share. And Brandon, I think of you as the man who knew everything I've ever done. <laughs> you, <laughs> you call me out when I need it the most. And Kobe and Ashlyn, thank you for your insights, vulnerability, and honesty. Call me addicted, but I am on my third round of listening to every episode. I'm blown away by the insight and reflection that I'm able to have every time. Once again, cannot say enough about how thankful I am um, and to find healing with myself and my wife and family and friends. Heck yeah. I know, right? Awesome. I love that. Um, it's kind of like that, you know, you read a book the second time, a third time, and new things pop out. And so I do really enjoy hearing people, especially because we have different paths, right? And so you may listen to an episode and it might be triggering to you. And then you try again in six months or a year and it's totally different. Uh, so don't be afraid to come back and try to listen to an episode. If it's, it's bothered you in the past, try it again. Yeah, I love that, Ashlyn. That's a great point. And it's, it's interesting, the feedback we get, because uh, we can take one episode and, and someone will say, that was so helpful. I loved it. And someone else will say, that was triggering and I hated it. And it really depends on where they're at and their process. Yeah. And so I like repeating the episodes. I think that's a great, great um, idea. So, all right. Should we talk about narcissism? Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, first off, before we talk about narcissism, let's talk about why we're talking about narcissism, um, especially considering what our normal topic is, which is uh, sex addiction and betrayal trauma. Um, oftentimes, sex addiction presents as narcissism. It looks very, very similar. And so a lot of the betrayal trauma that happens in a relationship is a result of um, what really look like narcissistic behaviors and to differentiate between sex addiction and narcissism sometimes can, can be difficult. So, um, let's back up a little bit. Um, narcissistic personality disorder. Um, do you guys know much about it? Do you know what it is? Um, just a little, just, uh, Kobe's not, I'm not. And, and we were even thinking today before we started the episode, I'm not sure I'm friends with many that I would recognize. And I thought, what does that mean? Have I like ruled them out of my life? I've worked well. with a couple. 
I don't know if it's a horrible thing that you don't have many. No, I, I think it's a great thing. I'm just <laughs> like, what does that mean about where I've chosen to have friendships and relationships with people? Right, right. Um, so narcissists, so here's, here's a couple things about narcissists. Um, I think something upwards of 80 to 90% of diagnosed narcissists are male. Um, so um, that's interesting to think about. Um, but diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, it's more a male thing than a female thing. Uh, much like borderline personality disorder is much more a female thing. Um, so it's how, it's how men um, present a lot of times when they have uh, the, these deep attachment wounds and traumas. And it, narcissism is like, is, is just a very, very, very strong defense mechanism that comes so automatic to that person um, that um, they create this whole system. This system that is, to, to dumb it down, is, is, is selfishness on steroids. Um, the world revolves around them, their importance, their validation, them being okay, them being right. Um, and it can be very tricky. Narcissism can, can look very tricky. Um, so question, you have a comment question. So from what I've understood about narcissism is that, um, it can come off as these people have a huge ego. They're very self-confident and yet they're making you feel like you're not good enough. So um, do they have a high self-confidence or is it actually a low self-confidence? It's kind of two levels deep. So they think that they do have a high confidence okay. level. Um, they, like, so they present kind of confident. They, yeah. they think that they're very confident. Um, but it's because they're so guarded. There's, there's such pain down underneath there that they're so automatically confident that they can't show any blemish. Okay. Um, so the answer to that, Ashton, I would say is no, um, but the way they present is much different. So confusing um, if, you're, <laughs> if you're in that relationship. Yes. Um, now, I, I also want to say before we go down the road of a narcissist is um, kind of this pompous, arrogant person who just thinks they're awesome, um, that's one way that narcissists present, but that it's not the only way. And this is where it gets really confusing in relationships. Um, narcissists can, can present as, um, like, let me give you an example. The type of guy who, who goes to all of his meetings and does everything right and, and shows everybody that he's amazing because look at him. Um, so he's not necessarily this arrogant guy, but he's like, he's this guy who's manipulating everyone around him to see him as good. Um, you're, you're talking about me right there, actually. <laughs> or, who I, or, or who I was, because legit, that was, ex that was exactly how I operated. I want to be so polar opposite to who I really am, so you'll never, ever suspect that I'm actually that guy. Yeah. So, um, and, and Kobe, what you bring up is, is what I was saying earlier. You presented, I, I would guess, very narcissistic when you were when you were really in it in the thick of your addiction um you spent your energy um thinking how to make p 
people think that you're okay and that you're good, correct? A thousand percent correct. Like um, that was a lot of a lot of that, especially at church, especially in the neighborhood. Um, yeah, that was totally me, right? Hundred percent. The okayness too that you talked about, like his okayness came from other people's validation of him. Right. Would would a narcissist ever admit to being a narcissist? I didn't know. Would they? <laughs> uh, this is, that would be admitting fault. That would be admit, <laughs> seriously though. That would be admitting fault and like a like a like a deep deep flaw. And not even if I didn't know what it was, but I kind of have this like notion like that's probably not a good thing. I'll be like no. So so this is a total trick question. Um, they they totally would admit to being a narcissist if it makes them look good. If it makes them look good, like that, I can admit that I'm a narcissist because I'm, oh. I'm then strong and I'm showing you how strong I am and how good I am because I can admit that. Oh, Brandon. That's narcissistic <laughs> behavior. This is confusing. Yes. How on earth? Okay, so it, it is diagnosed through a professional though, yes? It's not something I can just say you're a narcissist. Yeah, so it's like you just said, Ashton, oh my gosh, this is confusing. And to somebody who's married to a narcissist, you might not know you're in a relationship with a narcissist for a long, long time. And um, good, a good sign that you are in a relationship with a narcissist or a sex addict presenting as a narcissist um, is that crazy making feeling. You're, mm, you're, you yeah. just feel crazy and you feel <laughs> a narcissist struggle to empathize. They can't empathize. Um, they can act like they're very good at empathy for the benefit of them, <laughs> which isn't oh. empathy. Brandon, right. you're two for two with me so far. <laughs> no, but I can. That's how like, I was. Like listening to you, Brandon, though, and thinking, okay, here's the definition of narcissist. Here's the definition of sex addict. There are some crossovers the gaslighting, yeah. the low self worth. Um, what else? Uh, just the manipulation. Manipulating. Just, yeah. And, and I didn't have people telling me, okay, he must be a narcissist, but I kept coming back to how could you be so selfish to choose you and your happiness over everyone else's? Right. It's like always, right. always, always. Um, but I know there are women and men possibly who are being fed this through friends or through whoever, therapists, sometimes when you haven't met the other partner to say, wow, they really sound like a narcissist or that right. type of thing. It is confusing. And just listening to this, I'm like, how do you know? What, what is this? What yeah. am I supposed to do? Unfortunately, um, with, to differentiate between narcissism and sex addiction, um, and when I say sex addiction, I, I do want to uh, say a, little, a caveat here. Not all sex addicts present as narcissists. Okay. Um, but many do. So, um, but what you'll see is uh, when you get into treatment, you start working recovery, a sex addict will start to um, love themselves. They'll start to let go of the defense mechanisms. Um, they'll start to get into recovery, which means they're vulnerable. They can own their, their kind of like Kobe, you're a great example of this. Like you, you presented very narcissistic. Now, as we talk to you today, um, you're, you're not a narcissist in your relationship with Ashlyn and, uh, and otherwise. Um, if you were actually narcissistic, those symptoms would have stayed. Um, mm. To treat narcissism, 
they, they, narcissism is what, what's called an access to disorder or a personality disorder, which means um, you can't really treat it, you can manage it some. Um, and you, I, hate, I hate to say this because it sounds somewhat hopeless, but you can't really get better from narcissistic personality disorder. A sex addict who starts to get in recovery, they start to reconnect to God. They start to reconnect to, to their partners. Actual empathy starts to come into play in the relationship. And you realize, oh, that guy's not a narcissist. He was just extremely defended in his shame because of his sex addiction. Mm. Um, and so he was, he was very careful and, and just cautious about any connection or vulnerability. So he was presenting it as a narcissist. So does so, that make sense? It does. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm once again, like replaying my journey in recovery, especially when we first started. And um, I'm, I have some suspicions that I want to share about my transition from presenting like a narcissist and then, and then really just uh, coming to grips with what I needed to do and then, and then really sliding into out of the, I guess, out of the narcissistic tendencies and, and begin to growing and, and, you know, like a healing sex addict. And I think one of the things was, um, was probably in group because that started six weeks, eight weeks after our intake when I was in group and I was processing I think that's when things began to change for me in the sense of getting out of my head, taking responsibility, speaking my story out loud to someone, to, to, to the group. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that those were kind of the beginnings of empathy for, for, for you, Ashlyn. Um, but can, can you, I guess what I'm saying is I want to, I want to make sure that, that people walking away from this, both the betrayed and those who have betrayed I want them to walk away from this with a very clear idea of what distinguishes someone as a sex addict who was in the process of healing versus a narcissist who was, um, who was still there and stuck. The, the distinction that I would make is this, and, and you just described it, Kobe. Um, the, the distinction is actual self-awareness um, and self-realization. So, so if, you're, if you're steeped in shame and your addiction has gotten to the point where, you know, all these consequences are coming at you and you go to a group and there's just a twinge, just a little tiny bit of humility that says, okay, like how, how have I done, how have I screwed up? How have I done this? I'm not a narcissist. Um, if you're in that group, going to that group, because you feel like, you know, your wife has forced you in here, you've done nothing wrong and you're there to teach all your group members about how awesome you are. You're a narcissist, right? Um, do, do you see the difference there? I do. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like ownership. Yeah, and, and like personal accountability really is um, the where, where they're where the fork in the road is, and where the narcissist. But, but a real, but from. a real good narcissist will 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 try to trick people to show them how personally accountable they they are. Right. So that's where I'm like, I get these messages frequently. And I think maybe this is the answer is they're saying he's got, he listens to the podcast. He's using it as ammunition. He's yeah. got all these words now and he's doing, he's, but he's not doing 
the work. He just is using the word. Like the gaslighting is still taking place. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I think of one of the one of the best narcissists I've worked with through the years, and to, to describe him, he was very involved in church. Um, he never missed a therapy session with me. Um, he went to his meetings every week. He sponsored several men. Um, he so 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 checking off the box of all the good stuff, right? Um, when his wife started to to really have some boundaries and push back and say, I'm like, I feel emotionally abused and neglected and not okay in my relationship. Um, the, you know, the leaders of his church were saying to her, what's wrong with you? The family was saying to her, what's the wrong with you? How, you know, why, why can't you love him? Look how perfect and wonderful and just, just exemplary this, this man is. But when I would sit with this guy and and like really sit with him and try to go there in terms of vulnerability and accountability and try to teach him how to empathize with others. He couldn't do it. Um, it, it, it was all about him. It all came back to him and his world and what was important to him and how he had to create that world. And he had gotten his kids to just think he's amazing and he's wonderful. And he's, and, and yet um, things, deep down inside of him were broken um and and things in his marriage were were totally falling apart so it's it's tricky because on the outside a narcissist can look so so good now some narcissists aren't that sophisticated um some narcissists just you know are are arrogant jerks right <laughs> yeah um but most narcissists have that arrogance, but they, they, they manipulate to get the world to say you're amazing. Right. So. Hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting to me because I remember you having a specific relationship with a guy at work who was, and now we look at it and it's like plain as day, but yeah. then it was like maddening. Like Kobe would come home just frustrated and mad um, at the way this, this person showed up over and over and over. Um, he was more the example you're sharing, uh, <laughs> the not yeah. skilled narcissist, yeah. um, but successful, a really successful leader, um, that no one liked. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I know several narcissists and a couple of them I know are, are so successful at business, like really, really, really good. And I'm not saying if you're successful at business, right. you're more likely to be a narcissist. <laughs> Um, here's another indicator of narcissism. If you go to therapy or if, if he goes to therapy and I'll say he, because most narcissists are male. Um, if he goes to therapy and the therapist is really, really good, um, then, and, 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 and that therapist is willing to step into reality with that narcissist, that narcissist is going to hate him. He's going to hate that therapist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he's going to butt heads and, and just really not like that. Because most narcissists can pull the wool over most people's eyes. Oh, so when they're and, not able to. When they're not able to, they freak out. They, they, hey, they go nuts. So, Brandon, let's say I'm in this situation and my spouse is showing up and presenting as doing the right things and I feel crazy. And maybe they are going to therapy or they're saying, I don't want this therapist anymore because it's not a good fit. 
I would, I would be careful to, we don't want to blanket statement this and just say, just because you have that crazy making or just because your spouse is a gaslighter that they're a narcissist. Okay. We got to be careful that that's not the case. Um, but what you do want to look at is, um, are they able to, um, really take accountability and apologize at times and realize that Sometimes their shiz stinks <laughs> and a narcissist can't do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, are they able to connect to you at all, empathize with you at all? Um, maybe they're really shame-based, but they, you can tell they can at least feel your pain too a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so if they're not, and if you just feel like, no, they're just building this case to be important, to be valid, to be, to, to be seen as right. Um, then, you could be married to a narcissist. Okay. And I'm, I'm a big advocate for if, especially if you see the same therapist as your spouse to reach out to your therapist and just ask the question. Um, I know at one point I did ask our therapist, Amy, is Kobe this thing that everyone's saying is a thing? And she was like, no, I, yeah, no, but it's the same idea of presenting similar characteristics, but he's not because look how he's showing up and da, 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 da. So I think even if you don't have the same therapist, if your spouse is in therapy and you are like hearing some of these things and confused, reach out and just say, is this something that you've, you know, dealt with? Is this something that my spouse is dealing with? Yes. The, The chances of therapy working to help a narcissist get better, um, when a couple comes in together is very, very low. So let me explain Mm. what I just said. Okay. Think about the dynamic there. Um, a couple comes in, he's a narcissist. Um, he's not going to um, really want to work on his issues and his things while a therapist and a spouse is there seeing his issues. That's the last yes. thing a narcissist is going to want, right? Okay. You know what's so crazy with that, Brandon, is I think of our story when we were with um, that first therapist, not she was our third, but that the one we were with for a long time, just a regular family therapist, Kobe was having his second affair at the time. So presenting similar behaviors, but yes. he, we went together every week to couples therapy and nothing changed. Crazy town right for there. For 18 months. Yeah. And so yes, like similar behaviors, but not, but that makes yep. sense because immediately when we got specialized help, they were like, and you go separate ways now. Like, yeah, you got to be vulnerable and you cannot do that with each other right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Makes that's sense. true. And, but, mm-hmm. but that's how it will feel in therapy with a narcissist going forward. Um, the chance for that, for that person struggling with narcissism to get better, um, they need to get educated on their own. Okay. Um, they, they need Meaning to, they can't be compelled. They have to um, they'll they'll check whatever boxes are necessary in order to keep up pretense, but on their own, um, it's 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 less likely that unless they were compelled that they would seek it themselves. Meaning like therapy. Yeah, yeah. I I was just before um, this recording. I I did a staffing with my staff, and one of the therapists said, "I'm I'm really struggling, Brandon, because this guy." Um, it feels like he's coming to therapy, not because he wants to do any work, but he just wants to be able to tell his wife that he comes to therapy. Mm. And so our sessions are kind of lame and, 
we don't get anywhere. And he's just, and, and the therapist felt like she was feeling used. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I, part of me thought, well, uh, you know, with that, with that client, I'm, I might look at some narcissism, like what, what, what's really going on here. It might not be that. Um, but you can see how therapy for that, like that type of therapy never works. Um, you know, going through the motions to try to look good is not going to help you get better. So, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk flip side of this a little bit okay. as, as the partner of, of, somebody who's either really stuck in the sex addiction and acting like a narcissist or is a narcissist. And by the way, I want to say when you're the partner, whether it's sex addiction or narcissism, it's kind of beside the point um, because it feels the same. So it does matter in the long run in the course of treatment and what recovery really is. But when you're in the thick of it and that person is coming across as very, um, arrogant and guarded and trying to look good. Um, you know, Ashton, I, I just want to ask you, Kobe, you're admitting that you had some narcissistic behaviors, right? Totally. So what was that like for you, Ashlyn? Uh, it, your statement where you said they present well and people are saying, why don't you like him? Why are you me? Like that was absolutely our story mm-hmm. um, where he presented and he he's still his authentic self is he's very friendly and outgoing and kind and generous but when he was in that place it was like up here and I was hurt and mad and felt crazy over here and it showed up as I was the problem um, and so, Kobe was perfect <laughs> so it kind of flips on its head right like you're you're in pain you feel like you're being hurt and then you're being blamed yeah. for it in a lot of ways. And called names. Like, she's a beast. You should get divorced. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. what, what, a, what a horrible position to be in. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if you really think about that. Um, and, and, and the narcissist is doing exactly what they want. It's now off of me and she's blamed there. Right? Um, and... and, and I, I imagine, and tell me if I'm wrong, Ashton, when, when you're in that position, um, you just feel kind of crazy and stuck. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially then, because I really, we didn't have a podcast to listen to. We didn't have the expert telling us, hey, look for these things. And so I really did feel crazy. And until you know more, you really are like, I, there's nothing I can do except continue to live exactly the way I'm living. And that's not the way to live. Right. Right. Yep. Um, well, and I think this is why education and listening to like podcasts like ours are so important because it will enlighten you to say, okay, I feel crazy, but there's something else going on here. And uh, maybe I can address this in a different way. Um, what about Ashton in terms of um, in terms of loneliness, I mean, I imagine you wanted some empathy, you wanted some intimacy, some connection, and I hate to get, make you think back to those really hard <laughs> times. Um, but did you feel that too? Like you just like, we're not getting your bucket filled. Yeah. I, I know we both did was the ironic thing is we were 
you know, doing this push pull, like give me yes. what I want, but also stay away from me because <laughs> you bring me pain. Um, so yes, for sure. We both had that desire and need and didn't know how to one communicate. Um, so I, as much as I felt crazy and alone and why am I getting blamed? I also can take the blame for, I showed up really crappy. I would name call, I would get scream and yell. I was not the same person I am today. 100%. By the way, you guys, that's why Ashlyn is awesome because I just teed her up to just, just play the victim like totally. And she didn't. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. But um, no, like I had my role, but it, obviously it started here. But um, yeah, we, I, I think education for us, yes, but we didn't have any skills to get our needs met. We didn't even know what we needed other yeah. than not that. <laughs> don't do that thing. Right. Don't do what? I don't, I don't know. Right. Um, so, okay, so Kobe, coming back to you for a second. Um, you're defended in all these ways and you're acting out on the side um, you know, you got this second affair going on. Um, you know, you, you talk about going to group and starting to own your stuff. Um, you, you know, you get in this cycle of, uh, we'll call it the cycle of narcissism here, right? The cycle of, of prote self-protection and preservation and validation. Um, would you say that that group work or, or what, what broke that cycle? What was it? Was it starting to get sober? What, what broke that cycle of, of, of defensiveness and just self-protection and actually moving forward? I think what, uh, that's a fair question. Um, I think that sharing my story in group with six other guys that I didn't know that were perfect strangers. That was really, really important for me. Um, and, and, and your story wasn't, wasn't just Ashlyn sucks <laughs> and, and she's made me be a sex addict, right? A hundred percent. It was an ownership story. It was yeah. I'm owning why I'm here. Yeah. That's an ownership story. There's really something to that. Yeah. Brandon, I like that. Because, yeah. because this is what I did own. Um, I did own the fact that when like every, every business trip that I took, I was hijacked and would act out and was preoccupied and was in a state of ritualization leading up to the trip. And, um, and I also owned the, uh, the first affair. And I, and I think what actually helped me transition out of the, um, of the narcissistic behaviors was actually disclosing the second affair. Hmm. And, and I think like the, full truth, like, yeah, like I, like, you know, I was with Amy and she said, just go right home right now when you're ready. And I was like, but full disclosure. And she's like, nope, just go, just go share it. Yep. And, and once that was out on the table and all my cards were there, right. That was the big thing. And in my first individual visit with Amy, Without Ashlyn, I said this, I, I had the second affair and I'm never telling Ashlyn. That secret helped feed the narcissistic behaviors that I had. Once that secret was spoken, I had nothing else to protect because I was just out in the open 
and I was exposed and I was there. So there wasn't anything else to defend for me. And I think that was probably the biggest catalyst to taking ownership was, yeah. was being there. Kobe, you just made, uh, I think, probably the most important point of this whole episode is that secrecy um, leads to attachment wounds and disconnection. So, so secrecy leads to narcissistic behavior. And when you take ownership and you, you take accountability for things that you've done, um, then that behavior starts to go away because you've got nothing to hide. You've got nothing to defend. That, that's, that's a great point, Kobe. So honesty was your way out of that narcissistic behavior. Brandon, I mean, in a, in a, in a statement, yes, but it was far, 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 far more complicated than that. Yeah. Brandon, I mean, I mean and, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the piece about honesty that is, um, is so complex for a guy who, even as a kid, I, man, I figured this out so early. If I told the truth, I still got in trouble. So what my truth became was don't get in trouble at whatever cost. didn't matter. And that was my demise. That was totally my demise. So unraveling that, right. that whole truth was really, really critical for me moving forward. Now, I want to just point something else out to, you know, on this whole topic because, because what hasn't been spoken yet is for the, um, for the sex addict who might be displaying some behaviors of narcissism there is this internal exhaustion that is, is so unimaginably depleting. Unimag it, it, it's just, you just cannot believe how keeping up these pretenses just drains you emotionally. And it was exhausting. It was a thousand percent exhausting having to keep up pretenses at work, having to keep up pretenses here in the house with Ashlyn and with the girls, with my family, with her family, with people at church, with other people in the neighborhood. It was just, as much as it was a way of living, when it really got heavy, it was, it was just exhausting and it sucked the life out of me. And um, I guess I would argue the case that ultimately every addict has to come to that place where they're finally like, look, I'm, I'm done and I'm over the deep costs that this addiction has asked me for. And um, I'm ready to let this go. And I think that kind of, uh, that kind of conversation is super important because and I think if I'm picking up what you're saying, Brandon, that's also what separates the narcissist from the sex addict is, is being able to just say, I'm done with the price that this is required and I want to move forward and I'm tired of paying this price and therefore I'm not going to participate in this, in this quote unquote game anymore. Yeah. Because it's so, so heavy. It's so heavy. 
And, um, and, and, and I guess what I'm hearing from you too is that the narcissist isn't going to necessarily look at this as um, a price to pay, more of just like it's, it's a battle that will never be um, given up or stopped. Like the, the narcissist continues that because the alternative is just, is just, is just unbearable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, going along with, and, and I can feel you, Kobe, like I can, I can feel that pain. Um, you talk about that deep exhaustion. Um, I want to read this thing. It was on Instagram and it, this was actually written to the betrayed. And, um, I think it, it applies to both. If you flip it, it says, while in trauma, we sometimes use coping mechanisms that we feel ashamed of. Remember to have compassion for the part of you that was doing your best to cope and survive the pain. And doesn't, doesn't that not apply to the addict? Right? Thousand percent. Um, Thousand percent. Th does that not apply? And, and, and it's not okay if you've emotionally abused your spouse. It's not okay if you've disconnected and hurt her for a long time. That's not okay. But it doesn't work to, to get better, to say you suck and you're horrible. And, but, but what works is to say, to have compassion for yourself and say, maybe I was doing the best that I could um, with what I had and my shame was running the show. And um, yes, I'm, I'm more enlightened now. I'm more educated now. I can, I can change these behaviors. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did show up that way and it was exhausting, right? So nothing shy, nothing yeah. shy of exhausting. So as we, as we look at wrapping this, this up um, again, is there, is there a, a few bullet points, Brandon, that you would leave with those partners of sex addicts? Um, to say, hey, listen, these are the things that define a sex addict or these are the disqualifiers of narcissism. Like if, if I, does that make yeah. sense? Because we, yeah. don't want, we don't want anybody to, to come up with this thinking like, oh, wow, well, well, my partner is not only a sex addict, but also a narcissist based upon that. But what can they- Well, well Kobe, once, once you start looking for narcissism, you'll find it. <laughs> um, <laughs> because uh, people are, are selfish and you'll find selfishness. Um, and, and be careful not to go all the way to, okay, I'm married to a narcissist. Um, so I, I would pull out the DSM-5 and, and look up the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder. Um, like really study that. Um, I, would, I would look to see if they, if they have any bit of ability for self-awareness and empathy. Um, if they do, they're probably just really struggling with their addiction. Um, so I think it's important for you to understand and acknowledge if you are married to a narcissist, um, but it's also important you for, for you to really understand whether you're married to a narcissist. And what I mean is don't just label them as that and then expect them to be that. Hmm. Um, I do think it is thrown around a lot more than I feel like maybe years ago, maybe just it's more out there. And so people are like, yeah, that's something that that person is, you know, we like to label things, right? And right. Well, it feels good and it's validating yeah, to make the sense. you're in. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, that's why I feel so crazy in my marriage. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so if you're married to a narcissist, that's one thing. If you're married to a sex addict, that's one thing. But what it leads to, both of, the, both of those things lead to you being empowered and you being healthily boundaried and honest in your relationship 
and, and just as healthy as you possibly can be. So again, it always comes back to working your own recovery, um, become aware of what you're dealing with, with your partner, but then looking at what's in your control to get healthy and move forward and deal with the fact that you're married to a narcissist or that you're married to a sex addict or both or whatever. Right. Yeah. So can I ask one last question, Brandon? Um, in your experience, can this work long-term in a relationship if both are choosing to help manage and work through this? Um, so I will be very honest here um, because I think normally we want to just say, hey, rainbows and butterflies and you know, everything's going to work out. And it is, it is very, very hard to have a healthy relationship with somebody who has a personality disorder. Um, and narcissistic personality disorder is just that. Um, it is possible, but both people probably need to continually be doing their therapy mm. and understanding who they are and why they do what they do. And the hard thing with that is a narcissist usually doesn't opt into that. Mm. They don't want to do that. Um, so I'd say it is possible, but it's really hard. And, okay. um, and it's good for the spouse to know you know, you look at your marriage and you say, okay, if the reality is, is I'm married to a narcissist, then what do I do with my marriage? Does it mean divorce? Maybe, maybe not. Does it mean that I'm going to have certain parameters in my marriage and my marriage is going to be a certain way and I'm going to actually face the reality of who I'm married to? Maybe it means that. Um, so you can move forward. Don't stay stuck in the crazy making and the gaslighting or any type of abuse or anything like that. So. Thanks, Brandon. Yep. I appreciate the honesty with that. And I'm sure our listeners do as well. Um, like, like the reviewer said, they, you're the one speaking to the truths, right? And so we need to hear that. That's why they're here. Yeah. Um, okay. If you are new to the podcast uh, or if you just have been a listener and haven't taken the first steps into your own recovery, head on over to a freebie from us. It's over on beyond-enough.com forward slash step one. And that's the number one. Um, we'll also put the link down in our show notes as well. Awesome guys. Right. We'll see you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>